appreciate Pastor Matt. Can you give it up to, for him? Well, good morning, everybody. And it's a great day to be in church today. I'm excited to be able to, sharing, uh, to share from God's word this morning. And uh, let's pray just before we get started. So, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together, Lord. And we're excited to hear from your word today. And we ask, God, that it would speak to us where we're at, Lord. That your Holy Spirit would use it to minister to us, God, and also to challenge us where we need to take a next step in our lives. Lord, for all of us here today in the room and those of us also watching and listening online today, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, yeah, so I am excited to share with you today. We're in this series called Stand, and we're reading stories throughout the book of Daniel. And so today we're actually going to read from Daniel chapter 6, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, Daniel and the lion's den. Now, the problem with how we tell the story a lot of the times is we kind of tell it like anecdotally, like it's kind of simply just reserved for Sunday school, kids' church, and our children to learn a lesson about God and faith maybe, and, and we kind of just leave it there. And so it's so important that we learn those things when we're younger, and Pastor Todd's doing an amazing job with that, but it, it shouldn't just stay in Sunday school. You know, this story of Daniel and the lion's den It's an adult story with adult consequences and adult themes going on in it. I mean, he's going to the lion's den. It's uh, the lions are they're not like beanie babies. I don't know if you ever collected beanie babies when you were young. I had those. You know, Uh, my mom's favorite beanie babies were like the bears. Like you know, so sometimes they're cute. But I one time was six feet away from a black bear, and I'm going to tell you what. That was a different experience. You realize how weak you are. You realize how your life could end when you're by a creature like that. So he's in the lion's den. The lion's den was the death penalty in this story. And so it's a big deal. And Daniel, sometimes maybe when you see a picture in Sunday school or just in in your head or something, you may picture him like a young man or like, you know, he's whatever. But he's actually in his 80s in this story. And so he's thrown into the lion's den in his 80s. And what do you think it means, come on, in verse 18, the king was so deeply troubled or deeply distressed that he refused his usual nightly entertainment. Just think about what you think that means. I mean, it's an adult story with adult themes going on in it. Now, there are many themes throughout the book of Daniel, and we'll kind of hit on a few of them today as we read in this story. But really, as we've been talking about the stand series, God has called Daniel and his friends to stand out when God calls you to be different from those around you and also to stand up, to stand up for what's right. And so today we're going to be talking about standing strong, standing strong for God. We're asking this question, how do I stand strong for God in the midst of opposition? How do I stand strong for God in the midst of opposition? Because the truth is, There will be times in your life when you need to stand strong for God. And I really appreciate uh, how Pastor Jeff handled the message last week with standing up. And I think with how people are kind of on edge these days, um, it could really be taken in a different direction. 
You know, you could use it to justify anything. And so I really hope that you allow God's Spirit to work on you. We're not just talking about standing strong for any sort of reason. And I think that will become clear. We're talking about standing strong for God. So how do we do that? When do we do that? There will be times when we need to stand strong for God. So in Daniel chapter 6, when we go to open it up, it starts with a new king that Daniel is serving under. Daniel was an exile from uh, Jerusalem. He was a Jewish person living in Babylon. But in chapter 6, the kingdom changes. Uh, Darius the Mede now becomes the king. And he's the king of Persia. And so the, you know, the kingdom has changed. And uh, right before this, you can read about how the king previously that Daniel served under, he died. It was right at the end of chapter 5. And Darius appoints 120 satraps, or like governors, to, uh, over the kingdom. Satraps literally translates to kingdom protectors, and so that's like an insight into what their job was like. This was the primary governance model for Persia, is that all these governors, you know, they were responsible for these areas. And then Darius appoints three administrators over these 120. Daniel's one of them. So their job is, right, to uh, levy taxes, protect the financial interests of the nation, prevent rebellion. So that's what they're doing as leaders. And so how do I stand strong in the midst of opposition? Here's the first one. Stand strong when God raises you up. Stand strong when God raises you up. Let's start reading in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It says this. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. And so you see that Daniel has been gifted by God with success. He's serving God faithfully, says his great ability, yeah. But God has been the one to give him the success. And it's not the first time. Like we said, this is now the third king, the third administration that Daniel is serving under. And so God's given him success all throughout the book. And actually, that's part of the theme going on in the book of Daniel. It's about God's eternal kingdom that will last forever. Daniel is the recurring uh, figure in these kingdoms. He served the third, this is the third king he's serving, and the second kingdom he's serving, because human governments and institutions will not last. God has raised Daniel up to show that it's God's kingdom that will reign forever. God will be the one that rules forever. And that's what we're seeing a picture of in this theme. And so Daniel, God has risen him up, not for his own purposes, but for God's kingdom planned and purposes. And so standing strong, it's not just about when, oh, well, I feel inconvenienced, so i got to say something. Standing strong, it's not just when I feel like my rights are jeopardized or something. We're talking about standing strong when God raises you up. And you know, I know that there are people in this room, lots of people in this room have told me about times when you have experienced this before, when God has raised you up. You say, man, God provided this job for me. So many people in this room have said that to me before. I know it was God that provided this job for me. There's a few people that have told me that, well, my car was totaled. It was a whole process. But now, man, I got a better car. It's great. Like somehow God has blessed me with that. That's awesome. Or 
Man, when we didn't know, God provided financially for us when I decided to stay faithful in tithing. And so many of us in the room, we've experienced this when God has raised us up. But when God raises you up, you can expect people to tear you down. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. Here's what it says in the next verse. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. And so God has given Daniel success, but these administrators, they're jealous of Daniel now because, well, he's going to be appointed second in the kingdom. And so they want to hatch this plan against him. You may feel like, well, God raised Daniel up. Why would he be encountering resistance? But that's just it. Your obedience to God will cause opposition to those around you. It's just kind of part of the deal. In fact, I would say if you're not facing any opposition in your life for your walk for God, I challenge you to maybe take a look at your life and say, you know, how much am I really living for God? Because that's part of the equation. You know, so much of the time in Western Christianity, in American Christianity, we like to believe that if I'm a Christian, I'm not going to face any opposition. I'm not going to have any problems in my life. And if I am having any problems in my life, it's because I don't have enough faith or I'm doing something wrong. I just got to read the Bible a little bit more. But that's not the reality. Why? Because Scripture tells us in Ephesians, it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities, the rulers and powers in this dark world. So anytime we move the kingdom forward, we can always expect a level of opposition or resistance. In fact, uh, Craig Rochelle, he's a famous pastor, he has said this, if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. Anytime we move the kingdom forward, we can expect opposition. Your obedience to God will cause opposition to some people around you. And sometimes it's even by well-meaning people. Sometimes it's by people who you least expect. Sometimes it's Christians who give you opposition. When I was in high school, I led the Bible club at my high school. And, uh, you know, I encountered some opposition. And you may think, oh, okay, you know, it, it wasn't from who you would expect. You know, I actually think I got some popularity points by running the Bible club. Interestingly enough, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't students. It wasn't the administration. You know who it was? It was the Bible club advisor. That was the person giving me opposition. She didn't like what we were talking about. She thought it wasn't inclusive enough. She would close the door so people couldn't come into the meeting. She actually scheduled a meeting with me and the principal because she wanted to close the club down. It was like, what's going on? <laughs> like, anytime you're living for God, you'll encounter some opposition. It may not even be from who you expect. You might be in the room today and you're new to being a Christian. You're excited about what God is doing in your life. He did a miracle in your life and you're just full of joy. But then you meet some Christians, man, and they just seem to not have any of that. Like, they're just not into it. They're like, well, once you've been a Christian as long as me, you'll be, you know, lame and miserable like me too. Like, you know, sometimes that's how it is or... 
Maybe you got a promotion at your job. God has raised you up. That's awesome. But now, other people at your job are criticizing you. They're saying, you're not really qualified to do this. They're jealous, maybe, of you, like Daniel in this story. It's kind of what we call sometimes crab mentality, if you've ever heard of that before, crab mentality. It's like the idea if you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket and uh, one of them tries to escape, the other crabs will pull that crab down. They're trying to prevent it from escaping. Why? Because it's like, if I can't have it, neither can you. Like, it's kind of that idea. And so when God raises you up, you can expect people to tear you down. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you may not be ready for God to use you. And in verse 5, it says that they accused him according to his religion. Daniel is encountering resistance because he's living for God. He's not trying to advance himself. God has raised him up. And that's why he's encountering resistance. So they want to dig up dirt on Daniel, but they can't find anything. Because Daniel's personal relationship with God influenced his public character. Daniel's personal relationship with God influenced his public character. It wasn't simply a private thing. It wasn't just something he did on Sundays and he left it there. He had a personal relationship with God, but it influenced his public character. And they couldn't find anything to criticize him with. So they had to uh, come, they says, against his religion or against his faith. And I always think, I think of this quote all the time. Pastor Jamal is the one that said, platforms only elevate who you already are. This is who Daniel already was. And it's an interesting thought experiment for us. You know, if a law like this was passed today, you know, with what, how would you respond? What would it be like in your life? If somebody wanted to dig up dirt in your life, what would they find? Would it work? If somebody wanted to dig up dirt on you, what would they find on your phone? What would they find in your bank account? What would they find in how you talk when others aren't in the room? Would it work? As believers, our character matters. And for Daniel, his personal relationship with God influenced his public character. And so, standing strong, stand strong when God raises you up. Here's the next one. Stand strong by kneeling down to pray. How do I stand strong for God? When do I stand strong for God? Well, stand strong when God raises you up. And stand strong by kneeling down to pray. And so uh, a lot of us are probably familiar with the story. It goes on. The other administrators, they come to the king. Maybe they butter him up a little bit, but they say, King, how about this? Why don't we pass a law? We're all in agreement, by the way, all of us. Why don't we pass a law that says nobody can pray to any god except for you, O king. They can pray to you for 30 days. And if they don't, we'll throw them and to the lion's end. We'll give them the death penalty. How do you feel about that king? And the king agrees. You may say, okay, that's kind of weird. I mean, ancient kings at that time, they had no problem deifying themselves. And so kind of that idea of he knew he wasn't a god, but yeah, you can pray to me. Uh, maybe he just didn't have an issue with that. It could have also been that he thought maybe it was a way to unite the realm politically. He's the king now. And I had read in some places that with Persian prayer and rituals, it was kind of like, you know, Uh, It doesn't really matter who you pray to. Maybe you don't even have a belief in God. It's just kind of a ritual, just what you do. And so, yeah, you know, for the next 30 days, 
pray to the king because he's the guy in charge. All right, so we're all on the same page now. But either way, this is a problem for Daniel, right? It's a problem for a believer. What should he do? Daniel, it seems like to me that he had three options. The first option would be just to stop praying. It makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, it's illegal to pray to anybody except for the king for 30 days, so just don't pray. Then you don't get in trouble. And remember, Daniel's in his 80s. I mean, Daniel has a relationship with God. Daniel has been part of some incredible miracles. The writing on the wall. Daniel has interpreted dreams. I mean, he's a pretty big deal. He's pretty close with God. He spent a lifetime being faithful to God. I think God would understand if he took a couple days off. It's like, what, is God going to be mad at him or something? Right? Plus, he's more useful to God uh, alive than dead, right? When, right? That's what I would say. God, you don't want me dead. I mean, what am I going to do dead for you, right? I, so take a couple days off. Stop praying. Maybe he could have just prayed silently to himself. That's what I would have done. I think probably most of us in the room are like, oh, easy solution. Just don't tell anybody you're praying, right? Just keep it to yourself. You do like a, uh, like a lunchroom prayer, Right? If you're in school and you know, your mom drilled into you, you're supposed to pray before every meal, and you're like, oh, i got to pray, but I'm so embarrassed. You just like, drop something on the floor, and you're like, God, thank you so much for this meal. Amen. Like, and you come back, and maybe you just pray like that for 30 days. You just don't let anybody know. Uh, pray silently to yourself. Or he could have kept praying the way he had always prayed, which was publicly, that people knew that he had prayed. And the lion's den, remember, it's not cute. It's the death penalty. Daniel was able, he was willing to risk his life to be faithful to God. How did he have that kind of faith? I mean, why was that the option he picked? Why did he keep everything going the same way? How did he have faith like that? And this matters because Jesus says when he returns, he's going to be looking around the earth to see what kind of faith he finds. How do we have a faith like Daniel? Well, it's because Kneeling down to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. Kneeling down to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. Here's what it says in verse 10 and 11. Verse 10 is so powerful. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed, how many times does it say? Three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Daniel doesn't go off about his rights he doesn't say, well, my life's inconvenience now. I've got to do something. I've got to stand strong. I'm going to come against the king. He just does what he's always done. He has remained faithful to God. I mean, kneeling down to pray is where you gain the strength to stand. This is how Daniel was able to survive all this time in Babylon and now in Persia. He was in a, in a place that was hostile to God and his ways. It was difficult to live as a believer. A lot of us could relate to that. It's not easy for him to live in this situation like this, but... Prayer was what got him through because that's where he gained his strength. <laughs> Nothing was going to change about that. And so these administra administrators, they knew to come after Dave, uh, Daniel's prayer life. And again, an interesting thought experiment for us today. If this law was passed today, 
how many people would know you as a person of prayer? If this law was passed today, how many people, like in verse 11, they came to Daniel's house and they found him praying? Because they knew that's exactly what he was going to be doing. How many people would know you as a person of prayer? And the thing is, it's not about bragging or proclaiming that you're praying. That's not what Daniel was doing. You know, walk the streets telling everybody, I'm so holy. You know, when people tell me how much they pray, uh, one, I start to care less. And two, I don't believe you. I'm like, why do you got to keep telling me this? Like, this is between you and God. Like, Jesus, he criticized that kind of attitude in the Pharisees. It's not about bragging or proclaiming how much you pray. This was how Daniel communed with God. It wasn't a chore. It wasn't a checklist item. For Daniel, prayer was not incidental. Prayer was essential. For Daniel, prayer wasn't just incidental, like when he remembered or when he got around to it or when he needed something. It says like he had always done. For Daniel, prayer was essential. Communing with God. Gaining strength from God. I mean, think about how many movies we watch, right? And they say, you know, they, they try everything they can, then they go, well, all we can do now is pray, right? All we can do now is pray. That just shows so much of the time what our perspective is. Do everything in your strength to try to manipulate the situation and change the outcome, and then when you've run out of options, I guess there's prayer. But no, we can pray. We have the opportunity to come to God. Look what Hebrews 4.16 says. What's one of my favorite verses? It says, Let us boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Man, I am so thankful for the gift of prayer. I am so thankful that I can come to God and I shared with the young adults a few weeks ago, I think I've started to enter a new phase in my life where I don't pray because it's the right thing to do. I pray because I need God. I pray because I want God. I want his peace in my life. And I want his presence in my life. I want his purpose. I want his wisdom and direction in my life. That's why I go to pray. For Daniel, prayer wasn't incidental. It was essential. And so how about for you? Is prayer just something you do when you remember? Or is it the place where you can commune with God? Where you can receive strength? When it comes to standing strong, sometimes we can get real excited about that. But kneeling down to pray is where you gain the strength to stand. And I know that there are people in this room that can, can testify to that, that you can talk about that. I know we can go around the room and share stories. And so stand strong when God raises you up. Stand strong by kneeling down to pray. And here's the next one. Stand strong by trusting God with the results. When it comes to standing strong, there may be a lot of different ways what that might look like for us as believers. We're reading about Daniel's story right now. But for you, standing strong might look like having a conversation with your kid's coach because of how much church they're missing for practice. Maybe that's what standing strong looks like. Standing strong could look like telling your coworkers when they're gossiping, you say, hey, guess what? We're not going to gossip with anybody not here today. Standing strong might mean not engaging in a business deal because you know it lacks integrity and you need to speak up. 
Standing strong might mean ending a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend because they've been pressuring you to do things that, you know, is a compromise, things that you know are wrong. And it's okay. The natural next question is to say, well, what if it doesn't work out? I mean, what if, you know, what if I have a conversation with the coach and he says, okay, well, that's nice. Now your kid's not on the team. What happens then? What happens if I say something at my job and then the next time there's a promotion, they decide to overlook me because I said something? What if I do? I end this relationship, but what if I never find anyone again? What if I'm alone? Those are legitimate questions to ask. And you know, Daniel was asking the same thing. Well, what if I remain faithful and I get the death penalty? What if I remain faithful and I'm thrown in a lion's den? He didn't know it was all going to work out for him. We know it's going to work out okay for him. But he didn't know that in the middle of this story. It's not always a Disney movie. And in Scripture, there are people who had just as much faith and commitment to God. And it ended differently for them. And so Daniel, he didn't know. It may be true for us. We may have to face certain consequences. We may feel a little left out. We may feel overlooked when we stand strong for God. I can't promise you that every single time it's going to work out. But I can promise you this. When you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. When you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. Again, Daniel didn't know how it was going to work out for him. I mean, he had no idea that for centuries to come, he'd be a Sunday school story. He had no idea that's what was going to happen. All he knew was that for 80 years, God has been faithful to him. That he had story after story of God being faithful to him, God providing, God raising him up. And so Daniel said, nothing was going to change now. Nothing was going to change about my life now. If he saves me, absolutely, I will trust him. If he doesn't rescue me, I'm going to trust him. And I know, like I said, if I went around this room, there are so many stories all over this room of examples how God has been faithful to us. That you can say, man, God saved me from my sin. I mean, that's number one, right? If you're a believer in the room, you believe in Jesus. God has saved you from your sin. There's some of us in the room, you say, God has restored our marriage, God has restored our marriage. You may say, God has, God has changed my kid's life. He's completely turned it around. Some of us are in the room. God has redeemed me from a life of drugs and alcohol. Man, you know God has been faithful to you in so many different areas of your life. And so, man, we can be continue to be faithful to him. It's so funny how easily we forget. As soon as we're in a pickle, we're like, God. But, man, he's been so faithful to us. And so Daniel says, I'll be faithful to you, God. And so Darius the king, he's not happy about this situation. Obviously, he's, he's, uh, he was tricked by some of his men. He says, oh yeah, we were all in agreement, king. Obviously, that was a lie. Daniel was, had nothing to do with this decision. And it says, uh, you know, he was deeply troubled. He, uh, he was trying to find a way to get Daniel out of this. And, you know, even this, I find this interesting. It says the king was deeply troubled or deeply distressed, you know, because that was, it's a window into his relationship with Daniel, what, what it was like. And again, just, just a thought experiment for us. You know, how would your boss or your friend, your coworker, your family, your neighbor, how would they react if something happened to you? 
Would they react like this? Would they react like, whew, just breathe a sigh of relief. At least this person's not out of here. You know, man. Or maybe would they just not even notice because honestly you just don't add a lot of value where you are. You're not really living that much for God. How would, how would other people in your life react? In this case, Darius was like, he was troubled because they had a relationship and Daniel was representing God. And it says, so he didn't eat, he was devastated, he refused his adult-themed usual nightly entertainment because he's so distressed. He's fasting, says that sleep left him. And what a contrast, right? He's in the palace. He's got everything he wants. People are apparently praying to him. But he, he, he can't even sleep where Daniel's in the lion's den, knowing he has done what's right before God. And so the first thing in the morning, Darius runs to Daniel. Are you okay? Has the God whom you continually serve, he knew that Daniel was a servant of God. Has he been able to rescue you? And what does it say? He says, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. He was found innocent before God, and he had trusted in his God. Look, it would have been more convenient for Daniel to just sit this one out. It would have been more convenient for him to take a 30-day prayer fast. It would have been more convenient for him to just pray silently to himself. But Daniel didn't focus on what was convenient. He focused on doing what was right. It wasn't just about his earthly plans and his earthly goals. He realized God had raised him up. And so he says, God, I'll be faithful to you. It's about your eternal kingdom. When you haven't done what's right, when you talk about people who aren't around, when you manipulate people or the system to get what you want, when you react in anger, when you make excuses for your sin, you can't stand strong. Because you haven't been relying on God. You've made it all about you. But when you have done what's right, you can say, God, I'm innocent before your sight. You can stand strong knowing that God is with you. Daniel knew he had done what's right before God, and that's how he was able to stay faithful. How about you? In the times in your life, how many times has God been faithful to you? How many times has God been faithful to you? We can all think of situations in our life, man. And so even if it costs me, I know that God is faithful to me and I know God is worthy for me to remain faithful to him. I can trust him with the results. I'm a member of his kingdom. So it's not always about my goals and my plans and purposes here on earth. It's about God's eternal kingdom plans and purposes, even if God didn't close the mouth of the lions, Daniel would have said, I'm trusting God with the results because I've done what's right. I'm a member of his kingdom and God has a plan. It's about him. And so stand strong. Here's the last one. Stand strong so that others will see God working in you. Like we said, standing strong, it's not just about when I'm inconvenienced or I got a personal problem or whatever. It's when God raises you up and when you stand strong, when you kneel down to pray, others will see God working in you. The story wraps up. The other administrators 
Maybe they thought, you know, like uh, they, it's, it's revealed that, you know, they tricked the king. The king ends up throwing them inside and they learn that the king didn't, you know, feed the lions overnight to like keep them from eating Daniel. No, they, they perished in the lion's den. That's what happens. The king knew of what had taken place and he issued this decree that everyone would fear Daniel's God. Here's what it says. Look at this. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. When you stand strong for God, others will see God working in you. He realized, man, all the prayers for me as the king, yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't even know what kind of faith he may have had in a God or not before this moment. But he says, wow, Daniel's God is the living God. He's the God that actually works. He's the one that's active in the lives of his followers. Stand strong so others will see God working in you. Pastor Ron, you can come and get some music behind us. Thank you for coming up. Like we've said, it's about God's kingdom. It's not about my purposes and plans. It's about God and his eternal kingdom. That's the theme of Daniel. And in this series, how do I stand strong in the midst of opposition? Those of us in the room, there are some of us today that are facing some opposition. You're fighting a battle today. Maybe you feel tired. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know everything you're going through right now. But God has called us to stand strong for him. How do I stand strong in the midst of opposition? Stand strong when God has raised you up. It causes us to look inside of ourselves. Am I facing any opposition because of my walk for God right now? Am I facing opposition because of maybe my own decisions? Why am I facing opposition? Because God has raised me up. When you're obedient to God, hey, you can expect people to tear you down. But stand strong by kneeling down to pray. We need to humble ourselves It's not about what I can do. Kneeling down to pray is how I gain the strength to stand. And stand strong by trusting God with the results. Because when you do what's right, you can trust God with the results. Even if you're not sure how it's going to work out, you can trust God when you've done what's right before him. And stand strong so that others will see God working in you because it's about God's kingdom. It's not just about advancing myself. It's not just about getting God's stamp of approval on anything that I want to do with my life. It's about living as a member of his kingdom so others will come to know God. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we close this service today. And here's what I want to do. I want to pray with you today before we get out of here. But what we can do is every head bowed and every eye closed, just so you can have a moment to think about the message and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as we get ready to pray. I know that those of there are some of us here that are facing opposition. Maybe God has raised you up, and so you're encountering people trying to tear you down. There are those of us in the room that are fighting a battle, and you feel tired. Those of us in the room are fighting a battle and you need some strength from God. 
If that's you today, can you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for today? You say, I need some strength from God today. Hands going up all over this room. I don't know what you're facing. It may be public. It may be personal. It may be in your family. That's awesome. Thank you for raising your hand. You can put them down. And there are some of us in the room today that on listening to this message and hearing what God has to say, you've realized that, you know what? I think I've got to check some of my motives. You know, I realize I don't know how much I've really been living for God. I've been living for myself. You know, I say prayer is essential. You go, not prayer. It hasn't been that for me. It hasn't been the place where I've communed with God. I, I want it to be that place. If you're here today, I believe there are those of us here today that maybe we need to just kind of rededicate some areas or recheck some of our motives. If that's you here today, still with our heads bowed and eyes closed, can you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for today? You say, that's me. Again, hands all over this room. Thank you. Thanks for raising your hand. And so here's what I want to do as we close today. I want to challenge you if you're able to do this. If you raised your hand or even if you didn't, it's okay. I want to challenge you to kneel right where you are. I want to challenge you to kneel where you are. Why? Because kneeling down to pray is where you gain the strength to stand. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your great love. Thank you for being faithful to us, God. Thank you for saving us from our sins and all the different areas that we can thank you for your faithfulness, how you've blessed us and come through for us. And today, Lord God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here, Lord, for those of us who are fighting a battle today. It may be at our workplace. It may be with a family member. It may be, you know, just some sin that we're battling, Lord God. But we need strength from you today to stand strong. You have raised us up. And so, God, I pray today that you would strengthen us, Lord God, that you would help us to stand strong for you, Lord God, not for our own motives or our own purposes, but for your kingdom plan and purposes, God. And, Lord, I pray that prayer would be the place where we are communing with you, God, and we are strengthened uh, by you, Lord God, in your spirit. We experience your presence in prayer and your wisdom and your direction and your peace in our lives, God. We're so thankful that we can boldly come to your throne, and that's what we do today. Lord, we're not waiting until later in the week when I remember to kneel. God, we're kneeling today because we trust you, and we love you, and we need you, God. And for my brothers and sisters here today, God, who realize, all of us, Lord, we, sometimes we just got to recheck our motives if we're living for you, or maybe we've been living more for ourselves. God, help us to have an eternal perspective, Lord, that we would stand strong, not just for our inconveniences or not just when we feel like our rights are being threatened, but God, we're standing strong for what you're calling us to so that others will see you working in us. God, we're so thankful for your great love. As we're still in this attitude of prayer, I, I want to extend this invitation. If you're here today and you've never invited God into your life, I do want to give you that opportunity. If you're here, you say, I want to pray a prayer where I invite God to be in my life. You don't have to leave here today. 
And you don't have to wait until later this week. That's why we're kneeling. That's why we're praying. You don't have to tuck it in your pocket for later. If you want to pray a prayer where you invite Jesus into your life, can you raise your hand so I can lead you in a prayer today? I just want to extend that to you today if you're here. Let's pray. We'll close out for this morning. We love you, God, and we're thankful. God, we know that we're members of your kingdom, God, and you've called all of us to be influencers for you. And so, God, help us to look at our areas of influence, our circles, Lord God, and how you're trying to call us to live for your kingdom, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would continue to be strengthened by you so we can stand strong by, for you, Lord God. Help us to navigate when, when we have a moment, Lord God, we have got to make a decision. Am I going to stand strong or am I going to just shrug my shoulders? And I pray, Lord God, that our personal relationship with you would influence our public character. Lord, for some of us, when we've talked about digging dirt up on us, maybe there are some things that even came up when I said that, Lord. I pray that you would help us through the power of your Holy Spirit and the power of community, Lord God, to get those areas together, Lord, so that we can live on mission for you. We love you, God. We thank you for this time together. And we ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Everybody have a blessed day today.